0: Welcome to another edition of the Broadcast Podcast. I know.
1: I am so excited to be back and rocking and rolling here. And yeah. we've had such
0: great guests lately. This is so wonderful. I know. We've been really lucky. There's so many great women in Pittsburgh who are willing to come and talk to us. <laughs> That's the I most know. important part. We're They're willing to come and talk getting, to us. Getting time in their schedule. <laughs> That's, That's a challenge, right?
1: Yes. Well, you know, they always say, if you want something done, ask a busy woman. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that should be our motto.
1: I know. Seriously. And so speaking of being busy, you know, there's lots of ways to connect with us if you can't uh, come into the studio and talk with us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at the Broadcast Pgh and find us on Facebook at the Broadcast underscore Pgh and at Instagram at the Broadcast Pgh. And you can also check up. On all of our past podcasts, on our website at thebroadcast-podcast dot dash and we also have a fun new thing—you can Yay. now support us. So I know a lot of people out there that are always telling me, "Thank you so much that they love our show, <laughs> and, if, and if they want to be a part of helping us kind of continue this little, you know, you know, this Whatever little uh, this train is. that could, yeah. this little choo-choo that can, um, you can go to our new brand new Patreon page, courtesy of Kim because she's awesome at all of these things.
0: I really am. You really
1: are. <laughs> It's true. At Patreon slash uh, BroadcastPGH. And you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And you can also be a sponsor of the show. Wouldn't it be great to have me say your name at the beginning of our show? Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? I know you could get I get goosebumps since
0: she says my name at the beginning of the show. So <laughs> I can vouch for how exciting
1: it is. So if you'd like to be a part of uh, a sponsorship, you can drop us a line at prod- broadcast Pgh. At gmail.com, but I'm extremely excited for our show today. I am too.
0: We Tell have, us all about it, Kim. I'm not sure how this came together. Like, uh, it's sort of <laughs> the angels surprise, smiled upon us. <laughs> but we have Kate Dewey, who is the outing oh, uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, she's she's departing the Forbes Fund mm-hmm. um, the end of this year, right? And, right. but she is uh, someone described her to me as a dynamo, basically a force yes. of nature in the Pittsburgh nonprofit philanthropic community. And we're so excited to have you here because there's mm-hmm. so much that we would love to talk to you about. Um, about what's going on in Pittsburgh. You know, we have a lot of so many nonprofits so many in the non-profits. city.
1: And, and they call it the city of nonprofits. You know, and Pittsburgh is a very giving phil- philanthropic community. So, what has it been like to sort of head up one of those funds that supports a lot of what goes on in the community on a nonprofit sector?
2: Well, um, to put it in context, mm-hmm. so I, I've lived in 16 different communities. Wow. And I just feel so fortunate that I ended up in Pittsburgh Mm. because it's one thing to have a nonprofit community, but this is a nonprofit community with a face to some degree. We're of a size that you can in fact see and touch and uh, understand nonprofits. I think a little better than you would in a city like New York Mm -hmm. or Boston. And, and so this is a very interesting city and community that you can, if you're committed to nonprofits and, Community building that you can actually have this open canvas to kind of create what what you would aspire to mm-hmm. be here mm-hmm. there's no pecking order mm-hmm. uh, really to you know move from one area to another mm-hmm. so i've just I've just found Pittsburgh to be just a wonderful place and filled with nonprofits doing extraordinary things yeah,
0: so one of the things you're going to be doing or continuing to do when you leave the Forest fund is um, overseeing the Uprise social challenge. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that, how that has evolved sure. and kind of what it means, um, wh- what what it would represents as far as the philanthropic community is concerned. Because it's a little bit different than kind of your, your usual, um, you know, we're going to just give you some money. There's a little bit more to it than that. So there really me.
2: is. Um, and it came about in partnership with BNY Mellon. Mm-hmm. Uh, BNY Mellon had decided that they really wanted to do something significant in the space of increasing social impact Mm -hmm. and so they left it on Mm defined so they're on one one train and i'm on this other train where um i had been doing consulting for years nationally and locally and i saw this tremendous disconnect between innovation in for-profit sector and other and other areas that never got connected to the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, a simple new software program that would enable you to communicate with your clients better. Well, companies would develop that and they immediately would gravitate to the corporate sector as their commercial base, mm. as opposed to seeing the nonprofit sector, which I'll share with you in a little bit how big they are without thinking that the nonprofit sector was a place to do business. Mm -hmm. And my premise is, while they may not be organized like some of the other sectors, like laundries or pizza shops or what have you, there is an amazing need and opportunity to focus on developing solutions for nonprofits that either make them more effective, and or help them serve their clients better. And if we could, in fact, connect the two uh, in terms of innovators and thinkers and makers with the nonprofit sector, it could be extraordinary what could be created. Hmm. And and so that was my premise. And so BNY Mellon and the Forbes Funds came together and said, let's create the Uprise, the BNY Mellon Social Innovation Challenge. And how are we going to signature this so people actually take stock of it? We're going to put real money on the table. So in the last uh, three years, we've invested $1.5 million wow. into solutions um, that really can make an extraordinary difference to organizations and communities. We, in fact, uh, with the imprimatur of BNY Mellon, I think uh, the entrepreneurial sector saw this as a more legitimate mm-hmm. yeah. um Uh, sponsor of this as opposed to it just being the Forbes funds. And so their imprimatur was really significant. And the third was, um, if in fact we can do significant community outreach, we could break the the wall Mm -hmm. that for so many women and people of color, they feel that the entrepreneurial sector is not one that is welcoming to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was the third. And, and we actually, um, our benchmarks at this point were way ahead of where we ever thought we'd be. So we began, uh, and our first awards were made in 2015. Mm-hmm. And we had about 100 applicants. That was a quick ramp. We just said, let's see what's out there, what kind of things we get. And there were some great solutions. Um, out of that came... Um, application verification, which was a security company, pivoted their methodology and their technology to allow for state of the art screening of volunteers. So, people working with kids, the elderly, special needs, at a, at a, at a cost and at a, with a methodology that didn't exist for the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. Second one was uh, Marinus Analytics, which was about human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so, it's kind of like CIS. On steroids, because i don 't understand the technology completely, but it 's the visualization software uh, connected it with tracking software, so they from what police departments tell us, they can reduce the time it takes to track a ring by a phenomenal amount of hours, oh, so in a day, what they would do could probably be done in an hour Wow, and so they have expanded across the United States, they have contracts with the FBI. But when you think about why the nonprofit sector, we're working with kids who are victims of the human trafficking experience. And so if we can create a a tool that would prevent them from that long-term damage, Mm -hmm. that helps nonprofits do it better. And also, should they find a kid caught in the human trafficking experience, they have somebody to turn to who can Mm -hmm. then get the information and move forward. Um, another example of that year was Treat Space, which has gone sure. on to have a tremendous impact on the community in terms of um managing the referral and service process in the healthcare system. So we were really excited. Uh um, Leah from four one two Food Rescue got a grant that year and yeah. she's just taken off. Uh, amazing! Out. yeah. So all the money we gave out that year, it's grant money, so there's no payback, mm-hmm. uh, which that money is very hard to come by for Mm -hmm. startups. Mm -hmm. And the reason we can do it is because it's a competition. Mm. Um, So we can give to for-profits and non-profits. This past year, again, we just had an amazing success because we doubled the number of applicants. We took on an additional challenge. Not only were we looking for technology that made a difference to how non-profits operate, but also in terms of serving people more effectively, but also the challenge of access to healthy food. Mm -hmm. So in so many of our neighborhoods, whether it's within the city or out in rural southwestern Pennsylvania, access to food is a serious issue Mm -hmm. um, for people on the margins. And so we had both challenges this past year. It resulted in Clareton is gonna open up a corner store for people in that area, which they hadn't had for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um We also um, are looking at bugs. Uh, we invested in bugs, which is the black urban garden Gardeners uh, initiative, who has a huge plot of property over in homewood and it allows for people to come in not only garden but also to help kids learn the process of gardening and then they take the food to the local farmers' market and it creates access to to really good healthy food. We have Blast Point, which is about data analytics, which was started by a, wo- a woman. Um, and she is just phenomenal because she'd worked in big data. And she said, this is ridiculous that these tools are available to the ones who can pay. Mm. Let's make something that can be in the hands of the people that don't understand how you, in fact, manipulate and massage databases like mm. me.
3: Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm.
2: all you do, it's really simple. You draw a line around the area you want to look at. You type in your question, and within a minute, you get your answer. Wow. So for me, it would have taken me five weeks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: This takes a minute. And so it then creates a visualization. And so for nonprofits to be competitive,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and now their competition is not just within themselves, but for profits, right. they've got to have that capability.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, they also have to have that capability to be strategic about where they go and who yeah. they're serving. And so that was an innovation. How do you decide, I mean,
1: these are all such oh, incredible gosh, causes, yeah. and they're so diverse in their in their concepts, in who they serve, and who they you know help. How do you decide who's going to get funding? What is that process like, and, and does it make you stay awake at night? <laughs> Racking your brain going, did we make the right decision? Yeah, well, you always
2: <laughs> wonder if you make, mm-hmm. it's not whether we made the right decision, but it's who we left behind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's a good point. Absolutely. Um, so we have an advisory board mm-hmm. made up of you know, a tremendous microcosm of the innovation sector here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have nonprofits. And so the way it begins is you make an application mm-hmm. for 2018, just for whoever's listening, it's going to start on March 1st. And mm-hmm. there's actually two competitions this year. Um, but I'll get to that in a sec. Sure. Then you, we look at all the uh, submissions and we, we collectively look at which ones seem to be the most compelling mm-hmm. and we looked particularly for things that can be on the ground in a year and a half making a difference to lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um so you pick a group of semifinalists and then you we provide wraparound services, education, uh a connection to mentors, pitch training. They go through the process. We have people who are um from the advisory board who sit in, watch the watch the pitches. Come up with their recommendations to the challenge sponsor, which mm-hmm. this year will be in BNY Mellon. And then we wrestle it through and get input from organizations that might use it and try to address some of the other questions. So it is a process and you never know. You just try to do the best job possible.
1: Have you ever had a situation where uh, organization has applied, didn't get it, and then reapplied and was able to get it the second time because maybe they had? developed better or had kind of gone along further in their own process and were more organized? Has that ever happened? Or do you think that could happen?
2: I think this year it's going to happen. Okay. Um, Realized the first year was so quick. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Because you're still kind of testing the water. Right. Yeah, exactly.
2: But last year was so robust. And I believe there's some that are going to come back in Mm -hmm. this year with a more refined product. Mm -hmm. So that's great. This year, it's going to be two different things. Mm -hmm. We noticed that there were so many great ideas that weren't developed far enough, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and so they would end up ultimately not advancing, Mm -hmm. and yet they were great ideas, and so we're going to have a great ideas competition this year. Oh, interesting. So we'll make investments in probably three, what we think are bold, innovative ideas and give them a small amount of grant support, but also then accommodate them with mentorships and education and trying to get them from a great idea to a prototype Mm -hmm. um, that could be tested in communities. And then we'll have the competition for those that have already developed something and want to take it and test it in the community Mm -hmm. or they want to expand it in the community. And they, in fact, get the larger sums of money. They might get $150,000 wow. or 50000 But it's all about, ultimately, in this community, creating a pipeline yeah. for, these, for these innovations. Because if you think about the nonprofit sector, we are called the nonprofit sector, the city of nonprofits. But in mm-hmm. reality, if you look at the data, we're pretty much in line with the United States, mm-hmm. not in terms of specific communities. So we did an economic impact study. We have 2,200 nonprofits in this community really? that have operating budgets under $100 million. Wow. So we didn't look at CMU and yeah. UPMC and right. Highmark. We went with the ones that are expressed purposes to serve people in the community. Right. And about half of those are human service organizations. And what we found is they employ more people than manufacturing and more people than construction. Wow! And so they each year employ directly about seventy-five thousand people, and then you, when you look at the way they do economic impact, then you figure, what do those people then purchase that creates additional jobs? So we actually it actually drives about a hundred thousand jobs in this community. Wow! Um, and they pump about four point three billion dollars here. That's now massive. the employment yeah. numbers, when you look at it. Um, it doesn 't when you look at the national data mm-hmm. it 's almost exactly the same that 's interesting and so this is a sector that has grown for the last two decades and it 's the only sector that has grown consistently mm-hmm. um, and i 'm not talking revenue i 'm mm-hmm. just talking growth yeah, right? yeah. new startups right. that kind of thing mm-hmm. so it 's a very robust sector and it 's undergoing tremendous change and mm-hmm. their difficulty is um that they are so labor intensive Mm -hmm. because they don't have access to some of the easier ways to operate or be more effective. And yet that limits their impact. So if we can create solutions that decrease their labor costs, that frees up surplus revenue for them to Mm -hmm. invest in their organization differently. And that's really the premise behind a prize. Um, so, when you think of that sector, um, you also need to think about it in terms of how important it is to the fabric of any community and so i we all know probably two or three nonprofits and if you're really involved, you might know twenty or thirty, mm-hmm. but we don't appreciate some sometimes how important they are in their totality yeah. mm-hmm. and so I can't imagine a a sector that touches more lives than the nonprofit sector Absolutely. and touches every family in Allegheny County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can't afford for them to be further marginalized because yeah. if you took the, the, the pyramid that they employ the most people, but you flipped it and you said, who pays the best wages? Nonprofits, would by and large, be lower than manufacturing and construction,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and is, we that, need is that a challenge then to attract people into that workforce that you, they know the people have to they go into nonprofit work because they care about the work, not because they think they're going to get a high salary, but that's, is, that, is that a detriment to attracting talent, do you think? And well, having, I
2: think we have a couple of we have some new attraction issues that are different than mm-hmm. we've ever had before. People will come into the nonprofit sector yeah. and the one or two experiences, but then they say, oh, I can make more money over here. Right, and right. it's natural. You want to live, you want to have bread on sure. the table. Um, and we don't have an organized career path. And yeah. So that's also a challenge. Yeah. But when you think about the, the issue of talent retention, in 1950, we had about 12 workers overall for every person uh, that was over 65. So, it didn't matter whether you're in corporate or nonprofit, but Mm you had 12 workers. Um, This year or next year, we'll probably have about nine. Mm -hmm. And by 2050, we're going to have four. Wow. And so, the nonprofit sector really has to figure out how do I begin to pay more competitive wages to be able to recruit the talent Mm -hmm. that uh, is really able to take on the kinds of demands that we have? Well, there, there is a little bit.
1: I, I used to be a social worker. And so I think there is this sense that, well, you do that work because you love it. But, right.
0: but that's its own reward. <laughs> but that's
1: its own reward. But at the end of the day, you do. Like you said, you still need to put bread on the table. And why do we equate helping people yeah,
0: why
2: is that with devalued? not being able yeah. to live? Yep, yeah, I totally agree. And,
1: and, I, and I look at it, too, in a lot of ways. As sometimes you know, women are at the forefront of a lot of these social services mm-hmm. and a lot of these organizations. And I wonder if there's a connection between we don't value the work that women do and have done. I mean, we we led the social work movement when it mm-hmm. originated, yeah. you know, in the in the early 19th century. And so I, I wonder sometimes is there a sense of of a little bit of that also along with this that it, that as you know, as more entrepreneurial spirits quote unquote, come into this nonprofit space. And as more men come into this nonprofit space, is that what's going to end up driving this sense of competitive wage? And why, why can't why can't nonprofit people also make a a good living? You know, you don't need to be making, you know, crazy money. But I mean, what's wrong with being able to live comfortably and do good work in the community.
2: Most definitely. It's the same issue for teachers.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: And if you think of teachers and social workers and Mm -hmm. people in the community, they're doing work with nonprofits. And if they don't do their work well, Mm -hmm. then forget everything else. (laughs) Right. So it's very curious. And it's also very curious that, as you go up the food chain of nonprofits, mm-hmm. you begin to see men entering in at larger nonprofits mm-hmm. and there is that's where the wage scale is different
1: interesting yeah. it's for
2: the smaller nonprofits that it's really hard to pay a competitive mm-hmm. wage mm-hmm. Um, and for some nonprofits even a living wage right, right. Um, which we all need to be concerned about yeah, absolutely so it's you know i i don't know what's ever going to be the final tipping point. Mm-hmm. But we re- we do need to begin to understand we can't execute on commitments and mission
3: mm-hmm.
2: unless we have the talent. And right. the talent has to be paid a wage.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. and, and it's not just about the paycheck. It's about benefits, Absolutely. retirement, mm-hmm. all those things that keep us whole mm-hmm. throughout our career. And I've seen it change tremendously mm-hmm. over the years. I've been in the sector for 50 years. And so- No way. Yeah, I'm 71. <laughs> no way. <Yeah. laughs> wow, you just threw me for a loop. Yeah, so, I think that's the
0: first time I've ever seen you speechless. <laughs> Actually. So
2: I started as a parole officer, and uh, I just wow. have noticed uh, this has been a gradual awakening, but it, yeah. for 40 years it stayed silent, mm. and all of a sudden we're looking at how do we, in fact, get the talent we need. Right. And we can see the impact from when corporations were doing really well in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were hiring people at a great rate. And you see the gutting of the nonprofit sector in terms of the leadership yeah. that would be available yeah. to apply to new jobs or yeah. be executive directors. And we're suffering from that now. And, and to your point, you know,
1: speaking of things being gutted, mm-hmm. when you look at the, the current politics and the current administration and this new tax reform bill that's been put on the table... How is that going to impact the ability of nonprofits to do, to do their jobs well, or will it?
2: Well, oh, it's going to have a tremendous impact. Okay, uh, the one I can't speak to yet mm-hmm. in terms of ultimately what will happen with uh, deductions until the yeah. final bill is passed. Mm-hmm. But if they, in fact, um, uh, just look at it in terms of who, if they take away the incentive
3: mm-hmm.
2: at, through a tax deduction, mm-hmm. that is. Significant money, which nonprofits rely on, mm-hmm. and because that's so, the
0: pitch, that's the pitch. The end exactly. of the year, you want to get your tax deduction in. Yeah. it's a you know this is the this is right now in December is the time of year when all the nonprofits are revving up to make that end of year tax deduction, mm-hmm. the tax deductible you know donation. So I can't even well, fathom so what if that you're, would be. You
2: know, if you, so we give our five bucks, sure, and. You know, they're extraordinarily wealthy people. And th- and then they're the people that are really in the middle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's a stretch.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so if you're not getting a tax benefit, and plus if you may not get a tax benefit around the interest paid on mortgages, Or your student really, loans. E- yeah. Or your student loans. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really going to impact people mm-hmm. and their ability, not their desire, but yeah. their ability Absolutely. Oh, to contribute. Sure. So that's a huge red flag. I think the other red flag is With the speed at which, um, at the state and national level, we need to recognize the fact that we have this growing deficit, Mm -hmm. and we need to balance, Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is that we'll have less people. Uh, That really says that there's going to be, and already has been, game-changing changes made to money that is uh, directed towards any one of the giving areas. And given that nonprofits don't really have a voice, Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have the money in our pockets to be able to go up against some of the significant lobbying uh, efforts that are being taken on Mm -hmm. by for profits. And so when you think about a kid that's hungry, um, that's not nearly as underwritten as the person who's looking at building three new plants Somewhere in the United States, right? And so, our we've actually come down to I think the ethical d- dilemma mm-hmm. as a country mm-hmm. in terms of we're now talking about once and not once that are based uh, I think on real ethical decisions as as human beings. Mm-hmm. And I my concern is I think it'll right itself long term, mm-hmm. but we're going to have a lot of pain and most non. You take the nonprofit sector; forty percent of them are at or not breaking even. Mm-hmm. So you take just a little push, yeah, yeah, and many of these organizations are going to close their doors um, or not do services as well as they've always done. And if you can say one thing, you can always say about the nonprofit sector is they never say no. Yeah, that and, is the truth. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I maybe I wish they would sometimes, but. Mm. That is just going to compromise them so badly. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you think about most, many nonprofits rely on people who've never had a job before to fill their first position. We're now going to have more people who are not easily employed again Mm -hmm. on the unemployment rolls. Mm -hmm. We're going to have decreased services. um, And we're really going to be in a position where we're seeing the disassembling of a sector that has been part of our ethos for, for centuries.
0: Wow. Yeah. We've come to rely on the nonprofit sector in ways that maybe it was not
2: built for, right. Right.
0: That, that this is not necessarily a sector that was meant to provide the level of really needed social services, right. That how did we get to this, Point is it? It's just been sort of a gradual thing. Was it an all
2: of a sudden thing? Because no, God, it's rem- been fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because if you, one thing about being in the field for fifty years, yeah. still, <laughs> can't see still can't believe it. Still can't believe it. You can see trends, so yeah, sure. you know what what uh, happened was all of a sudden. Uh, I would say, come towards uh, the end of the seventies,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you notice that government said we can't afford to keep delivering these services. Ah, we can do it more cheaply with our, through nonprofit agencies. And so they did that. The for, thousand
0: points of light and all that. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, for years. And then all they said, oh, this is getting expensive. Maybe we'll start to take it back in. Mm-hmm. And very quickly they realized they couldn't. And so they kept with that formula. But the challenge is they undercapitalize the service.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so most, most nonprofit, it is so hard to, develop any kind of reserve if you have government contracts
3: Mm, or
2: to fully cover the cost of care so that you can invest in the agencies. And so they're paying poverty uh, contracts for these services. And if you're working for a shelter for women who've been abused or a food pantry, you believe in that mission. And so you don't want to turn people away. So you say yes. But in reality, it is eroding the base by which they can operate yeah, yeah. and the government can't do it cheaper, yeah, yeah. but they, if they pay full price, they still couldn't do it cheaper. Yeah. And so we've got to recognize, recognize that you have to pay a fair wage to get this work done. And so government has come, I think to realize that, or think that foundations can backfill these contracts. That's not foundations role. Foundations mm-hmm. roles are, one, to seed new thinking, innovation, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they're not to backfill government. Yeah. And so you see finally the foundation saying, we can't do this. this. This isn't what we're about. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have foundations mm-hmm. supporting things, you would never have had the likes of the 412 Food Rescue. Exactly. Right. And that's their role, that, mm-hmm. you know, to provide that Really special support that government doesn't cover, and mm-hmm. that that organization and nine thousand other are on fire doing great things yeah. um, Foundations also um, support bold ideas, and so part of it 's about the quality of life in the community from an economic development standpoint. Yeah. And so putting big money into projects mm-hmm. that you could never do any other way. Right. So the money for the Cancer Institute that preceded Hillman was put up by Richard King Mellon Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, They yeah. are the ones that made it credible and everybody said, Pittsburgh <laughs> would become the fifth cancer center. It was the foundations that put the money up that got them on the map to look what we have now. Yeah. And so that's also the role. It's not just about keeping the safety net in place. And they, they shouldn't be uh, criticized for when they don't step up because it really isn't their role. Do you feel
1: on a sort of esoteric level that we're at a crossroads as a nation? I feel sometimes that we're having almost like a crisis of conscience in in the sense that if we're not taking care of the most vulnerable in our community, what is all of this for? Do you feel as though, I mean, having been in, in this community and in this sector for so long and having seen this trajectory and and looking you know I'm I'm younger so I'm seeing this sort of as the first time this horror seems to be in front of me but you've lived through horrors before do you feel like we can get through this as a nation or do you feel like this this situation seems different this time it
2: is different and and how so well the good news is that the and i hate to call them millennials but youngers Mm -hmm. are are pretty fed up too Mm -hmm, so i was mm -hmm. in the 60s in the protester, and now i finally see another generation that's up for the task Mm -hmm. if we can combine their technology savvy with our piss and vinegar to go out Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think somehow we could make a tremendous change but um I think we have become so disconnected from our neighbor,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, it's not just technology. It's it's it is having to work two jobs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. both yeah. mom and dad, kids in daycare. Yeah. You don't have time to find out about community, and then we also didn't have these extremes of extraordinary wealth. Yes, that two percent, that is just wealthy beyond comprehension. Mm -hmm. And by and large, that their instinct is to go, uh, with, uh, larger initiatives. Mm -hmm. And so they too aren't necessarily not blanketly, but many of them aren't involved in in the community Mm -hmm. gritty level. And so this, it's the grittiness of communities that if you don't connect to, you don't get, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're all in our houses and yet we don't, really appreciate how hard it is for one of our neighbors who all they need is an opportunity or Mm handout, uh, and make it done in a way that's respectful. Mm -hmm. Uh, because Mm -hmm. next week we could be in the same situation. Um, so it has changed and I don't, I worry about that. I -hmm. really do. Mm -hmm. Um, do I think we're going to recover from this period easily? No, because What has happened is structural rearranging of funding, Mm -hmm, um, a real unbundling of our premise of how communities operate, community Mm -hmm. systems. And so you can say um, that who's ever in office now is taking the, but we'll get it back. It will take us a long time Mm -hmm. to just get back to where we think we're in the right place. Hmm. And that right places will be different than it was today because everything will be rearranged. And I think we need to realize the severity of this situation. And I do see more people worried about uh, poor families, mm-hmm. but with very little ability mm-hmm. to make the connection. And so they'll do, well, which are great, toy drives or well
1: clothing, clothing drives, yeah. sort of the but band aid response yeah. but
2: how do i touch you right we don't need organizations to do that right it's about right. us being conscious ourselves to say how can i help my fellow man well well, well
0: that's a good note to end I on i was going to say i think we should just stop right. there yeah <laughs> Kate, thank you so much for oh, coming yeah. this is these are some big heavy deep issues but i think mm-hmm. we need to amplify them talk about them mm-hmm. you know I, I think everyone's sort of concerned about how yeah. do we help each other and these yeah. sort yeah. of un un uncharted waters yeah Mm -hmm. so but thank you so much for coming on hey thank you for your wisdom absolutely (laughs) yeah thank you